Good morning and welcome to The Voice of Charity. I'm Katie Breedeman, and we extend a warm hello to all who are listening on WNDZ 750 AM here in Chicago and all who are watching our live stream on YouTube and Facebook at Catholic Chicago. It's the Tuesday of Holy Week. And accordingly, we're going to pause from our usual discussion about Catholic Charities programs and services and take you on a virtual experience to the Holy Land through one of our most wonderful uh, regular guests, Father Edward Harnett. Father Harnett is a pastor emeritus at Saints Joseph and Francis Xavier Parish in Wilmette, where he continues to serve the parish in a wide variety of ways. Father Harnett has studied biblical history extensively, and he lived in Jerusalem at one time. He has led a dozen trips to the Holy Land, guiding hundreds of pilgrims to the sites where Jesus lived, taught, died, and rose from the dead. We are so fortunate to have Father Harnett's firsthand account of these sites today, as if we were there ourselves. Welcome, Father Harnett. Hi, Katie. Welcome to the show, Father. Thank you so much for returning and uh, giving us a firsthand account of the Holy Land. We're so grateful to have you here. I'm happy to be here, Katie. Father Harnett, we understand, you know, that none of the sites that we're going to discuss today have been factually verified, but the religious sites that you will describe today are traditionally believed to be the sites where Jesus's passion, death, and resurrection took place. Because they've been revered and venerated by popes and church leaders and Christians uh, for over 2,000 years, correct? That, yes, that's correct. But, you know, um, when I take people to the Holy Land, I uh, often tell them uh, there's a capital T and a small t for tradition. And uh, if I say capital T, that means it's pretty strong. If I say small t, then, well, you know, Maybe, maybe not. Um, there are some places that are very, very, very credibly um, the places, the things in the life of Jesus happened. For example, I think Calvary is, is an example. Um, Calvary is, um, originally there was a quarry to the outside of the wall of the old city of Jerusalem. And as they cut, you understand, of course, the walls and many of the buildings in Jerusalem are all um, made of stone. Apparently, over in one section near the wall of the city, the stone was inferior, and they um, didn't want to use it or couldn't use it for building. So that was left there's a, a crop coming out into the quarry. Um, the Romans devised crucifixion as the cruelest death they could imagine. And so they would crucify their um, enemies uh, and right outside the city gate so that everybody would see them. And the message would be pretty clear. You go against Rome, this is what can happen to you. So the, uh, this outcropping uh, the, at the quarry on the wall of the, outside the wall of the city was right at the gate. So that was used for crucifixions. Um, that, the quarry, interestingly, around the edges of it were tombs cut into the rock wall. It's common in the Holy Land to um, have graves in the rock uh, formations. 
and they, they'll just have a small little entrance and they roll a stone over it to keep animals from going into the tomb. But once you get inside, you can stand up and they are fairly roomy. Um, according to the story in the New Testament, after Jesus died, he was buried uh, in a nearby grave and undoubtedly in that uh, quarry. They call it a garden, but I think the garden was just the, the local weeds that would grow up. Uh, so the, I think the um, uh, Calvary uh, is is very authentic has, and it's very and very important to me. I think the tomb of Jesus, for example, if that's not the exact spot, you could flip a coin this way or that and you'd hit it. Also, the Franciscans have done some interesting work in Capernaum. Now, Capernaum, you remember, is where, G where Peter and the first apostles lived. And you remember, um, Jesus also made it his home in the base of his uh, preaching. So the Franciscans have found the house of St. Peter. Uh, it wasn't too hard to find because it had, they were, Christians could not build churches. So what they would do is turn a home into what we call a home church. And Peter's house was used that way. So it wasn't terribly hard to find. Also, when you go to Capernaum, the synagogue at the top of the hill, now the building that you see there now in white or uh, light-colored canned stone is not the one Jesus was in. But the one Jesus is in, was in is right underneath it. In fact, you can see around the base some of the black basalt stone uh, that um, the original synagogue was made of. So when you stand in that synagogue, you are standing where Jesus stood when he taught. So there are a lot of places, I think, that have a lot of authenticity. Uh, and then there are others, you know, that are questionable. What powerful images, Father Harnett, for us to think about. Um, could you take us to the sites where Holy Thursday events took place? I know that um, there is a location, you know, where you can go. It's a, it's a location that is believed to be the upper room where the Last Supper was held, correct? There is. <clears throat> it's um, but the, the room that's there now, when you go into it, is really a crusader building from the 12th century. Um, but very, very likely, it, it's very possible that is the geographic location where the Last Supper was. But today, as I say, the upper room is kind of, was a crusader room. And interestingly, in the lower floor is the synagogue today. I know but, that many um, of these churches, um, you know, they, they go out of their way to um, section off different parts of the church for worship by different religions, correct? Um, that's absolutely right. That's absolutely true. And it, it's for a Westerner like us, it's almost comical. But um, each of the groups is very, very possessive of their part of shrines, uh, the Church of the Holy Sepulchre or... Um, any other, like in Bethlehem. Um, so the, uh, they are very possessive over there. 
of their section of the building. And can you share with us, Father, a little bit about the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus and his disciples went after the Last Supper? Um, You've shared with me there's a beautiful church there called the Basilica of the Agony. Can you share with us what is inside that church and, and uh, you know, what, what religious practices will happen there this Thursday, Holy Thursday? Well, um, I, I'm not sure exactly how they, they work it on Holy Thursday there. It's called the Church of All Nations. And you can see, I guess you, have it, you can see it visually on the outside. But what's powerful about that is the architecture. When you go in... Uh, it might be a bright sunny day outside, but you are immediately in the at night in that church. There's something about the stained glass windows. They're deep, deep purple and uh, blue, I guess. Ceiling is um, dark blue with gold stars. But um, you really get the feeling of the, not just the Garden of Olives, but the Oh, the the sorrow of that evening. Um, Jesus knew well what was going to happen to him and the agony he must have gone through. Uh, You see now, I think, in the visuals, there's a picture and there's a rock there and the altar's behind it. Now, the tradition is that's the rock where Jesus prayed on the night uh, before he was put to death. Um, that I don't know. It, it, Jesus was in the Garden of Olives somewhere, whether it was exactly there or not, I'm not sure. But it's a beautiful place uh, to commemorate, and you're in the near vicinity of where Jesus was in any case. And so uh, I've said Mass there many times, and uh, but the only uh, contact I've had has been with Catholics there, but I'm not sure how it's all worked out. And once Jesus, and once Jesus was arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane, how far would it have been to for him to be led to uh, go before uh, Caiaphas and then Pilate after that? How long of a journey would he have had been taken by the soldiers? Well, I, I'm not sure exact distance. I you know guess mile or give or take a bit, but I can tell I can walk you through it. Uh, what he would have gone through. Please do. That would be great. Uh, you know, in the garden, uh, Jesus was arrested. And then uh, he would have been led toward the uh, house of the high priest. But to go there, you have to go across the Kidron Valley, and which is the valley on just on the east side of the city of the ancient city of Jerusalem. As he would go through the, uh, the uh, Kidron Valley, there's a cemetery there. There was then and there is today. It's a place where notable people are often buried. Um, you can imagine Jesus walking past there, knowing full well within a day he'd be in a grave too. Um, then they come to, uh, at the other side of the valley, they come to a city wall. They go in through the gate. And then you'd be passing the Temple Mount, which is a major structure in the old city of Jerusalem. The Temple Mount, they say, is 37 acres of area that's on a raised platform surrounded by a wall, or was, and and still is, actually. Um, Jesus would have passed there, and of course, he'd have many memories 
Uh, he did a good deal of his teaching in the courtyard of that uh, temple area. Um, I should say well, that, that the Temple Mount is a large platform. Uh, the temple itself is a very small part of that platform. The largest area is what they call the Court of the Gentiles. That's where Jesus did much teaching. So as he would walk past the Temple Mount, he would have no doubt have memories of teaching there. Then you go through what they call the Tyropian Valley, Tyropian Valley, and that brings you into the lower part of the city of Jerusalem. Then they would have to continue to the upper part. Um, the upper part was the palace Herod built, and when Pilate was in Jerusalem, that's probably where he would reside. That's up in the upper part of Jerusalem where the richer homes were. Um, it's more desirable, the air was better, and, and so forth. The high priest's home was probably in that vicinity. Uh, there is a church called St. Peter and Gallicantu that um, they, some people believe it was the house of the high priest, although it's disputed. And uh, But it gives you a very good idea of where Jesus was that night because there's a dungeon in the basement and then, of course, the courtyard where uh, Jesus was put on trial and Peter, uh, Peter uh, denied knowing Jesus. Um, from there to the uh, pilot, where Pilate would have been residing would be just a short walk. Um, then Pilate, well, the, there was a courtyard in what was Herod's palace, and Jesus would have been uh, put on trial there. And then uh, there's a dungeon near there, and he'd be scourged. And from there, would walk to um, Calvary. And so, Father, um, if, if you'll please bear with us, we're going to take a quick break here on The Voice of Charity. And uh, when we return, we're going to continue our conversation with Father Edward Harnett about the sites where Jesus' passion, death, and resurrection took place. Please stay tuned. Charities has had the privilege of helping people in need in Cook and Lake County for more than 100 years. We would like to take this opportunity to thank our frontline workers who, despite the unprecedented challenges of the past two years, continue to excel at their jobs every day. From the warehouse staff members who pack boxes of nutritious foods for low-income seniors, to the dedicated WIC employees who have remained open for families with children under the age of five, to our volunteers and restaurant partners who ensure that meals are available for those experiencing hunger. To our service coordinators and our professional counselors who continue their vital work in innovative ways. To our food pantry staff and to all those who work at Catholic Charities Call Center, finding solutions for every person who reaches out to us for help. Charity is at the heart of all you do and we salute you. 
special. <laughs> I feel great. I got good grades. We've seen a huge surge in our kids now meeting or exceeding grade level. Come check us out. You may have never thought we were an option before. At Catholic Charities, we want to remind you that we are here for anyone who is a victim of domestic violence or anyone who has a concern about someone they think may be a victim. Domestic violence affects millions of people each year, both women and men, of every race, religion, culture, and economic status. It includes physical, psychological, and emotional abuse, inflicted in both subtle and overt ways. The impact on children can be devastating. If you or someone you know are victims of domestic violence and you are looking for a place for healing and recovery, call us at 773-935-3434 in Cook County and 224-430-4977 in Lake County. A safer, happier tomorrow can begin today. to the Voice of Charity. I'm Katie Breedeman, and it's my great honor today to be here with Father Edward Harnett, a great friend of the Voice of Charity, who's here to help us as we all conclude our Latin observances um, and get ready to prepare in the Triduum observances this weekend before Easter Sunday in our parishes. Um, Father Harnett is a, a, a very well-renowned uh, biblical scholar, and he's taken 12 trips to the Holy Land, um, including pilgrims uh, who have uh, witnessed the sites where Jesus' sacrifice took place. And before the break, Father, we were talking about uh, where the site of Jesus' trial before Pilate took place. Could you please then expand on what would happen to Jesus after that? Where, where did he travel? Uh, I know there is a the popular road called the Via Doloroso, um, but you're not quite sure that that is the exact road Jesus traveled to Calvary, correct? That's right. Over the centuries, uh, different paths uh, have been followed uh, in our devotion. What we are, I think, reasonably sure of is where the, the final places of that trip, namely Calvary and the tomb of Jesus. So that, I believe, is very, very solid. Um, we have to remember that in the year about 130, the 130s, the Romans rebuilt. They just had destroyed Jerusalem. There were two revolutions. After the second one, they really rebuilt the city as a, uh, a Roman city. So a lot of things are, have been changed since uh, the, the Jerusalem Jesus was in. But um, I, I think there's a pretty obvious path where Jesus went uh, over to um, a place called David Street and then down into the market. Then he would have carried the cross. And remember that part of the uh, tradition is through the marketplace. And they they would do that, in a sense, parade the um, criminal uh, through there and then uh, make a left turn and go out, out of the city to the city gate. 
and there they would crucify Jesus. The present city of, of Jerusalem, the wall city, is larger than it was in Jesus's day. So the um, today the Church of the Holy Sepulcher, where we commemorate um, both Calvary and uh, the tomb of Christ, uh, is now um, there. You have a picture of, of what the tomb of Christ looks like today. Now, obviously, um, that's a rebuilding. It's been rebuilt a few times because the original one was one of the uh, rulers in uh, Jerusalem chopped it to the very ground. So it's the location, not the uh, building. And Father Harnett, um, you, shared, however, you shared with me that, excuse me for interrupting, but you shared with me that um, there was a time when you were on Calvary in the Church of the Holy Sepulcher all by yourself. And I thought that that was just such a powerful story to share with our audience today. Do you mind recounting that? Not at all. I, um, I'm a pretty firm believer in Calvary, that this is Calvary, both from historical and archaeological and uh, many reasons. Um, one day, I, uh, the last time I was there just before the pandemic, uh, I, I was really privileged. I had a half an hour up on Calvary all by myself. And it was really an, an, a special experience. When I was living in Jerusalem, I used to sometimes go over in the afternoon to Calvary to recite the bravery. And in the afternoon, the, the tours would be over and it'd be kind of quiet. But this was in the morning around 7.30. I was there and I had it all to myself in Calvary. And that was, for me, half hour all alone in Calvary was just very powerful. And, and across your 12 trips with pilgrims to the Holy Land, Father Harnett, have you ever felt a, a moment or um, an occasion where you really felt the presence of God with you? Well, the one I just, you know, expressed. It's interesting when the group goes there. Um, somebody once said, we should be saying the rosary in the bus. And I, I said, no. There's something about the, the whole experience of being there that affects the group. The group usually becomes a very homogeneous group. And uh, uh, it's really, these are shots. Now, this is Calvary. Um, it's the where the Greek Orthodox have their altar. And the tradition is right under that. Well, now we're, we're at, at the tomb. But, um, oh, and this is in the tomb, the scene you just saw. Uh, when you go into the tomb, uh, of Jesus, you know, again, the building is not the same building, but the locations, if it's not exactly there, it's close. There's an altar there and you can say mass. And what we do is there are two chambers to the tomb, which is typical uh, of tombs in, in the days of Jesus. Um, the outer one, the people can stand, but this one where the tomb of Jesus is so small, that only the celebrant can really fit in there. But it's quite an experience dunking through an arch door to give communion to people and back and forth. But that's that's a picture of where the altar is when you say Mass in the tomb of Jesus, and which so, you're looking at right now. And so how are preservation projects um, coordinated, Father, when, when you do have different um, religions uh, uh, having regular pilgrims pro pilgrimages to these holy sites? Well, it is organized. Uh, 
thank God, because it would be pretty chaotic if it weren't. It's well organized. You, and like, for example, if you say Mass at Calvary, which we do, or in the tomb, which we do, you have half an hour. Uh, that's what's allotted to you. And then the next group is waiting to come in, and you pretty well better <laughs> be finished in that time. So it's well coordinated. Um, the pilgrim doesn't run into any problems. I think behind the scenes there are tensions, but it doesn't affect. Now, this is Calvary again. And uh, the tradition is that right under that altar is where the cross was. Now, that I, I wouldn't swear to that. But Calvary is Calvary, somewhere up there, that Jesus' cross was. But I was privileged to be in that room uh, for, as I say, half an hour just by myself. And that was special. There's a Catholic altar over to the right. Uh, it's not in the picture. But um, the principal one is the one you just saw, the, the Greek Orthodox one. And um, it's very special. And so what will happen there this, this Thursday and Friday and Saturday and Sunday? What, what, what are the events that um, they do that are you know, beyond normal, what, what they normally do with, with pilgrimages? Do they, do they uh, ramp up the, the security or you know, do they have additional services or do they move the crowds in you know, quicker because there's just so many more people there? Well, <laughs> the principal ceremony is uh, uh, probably the Greek Orthodox one. They, um, <laughs> the priest that are in, is in the tomb, probably more than one priest, and somehow the fire is lit. And that's kind of however it happened. And then they reach it out through the uh, openings in the wall and then all the people light their candles and the whole place becomes a blaze. I'm just amazed they don't have a fire when that happens, but just they don't. Uh, so that would be the, the notable one you'd see maybe in television and so on. It's uh, impressive. Um, I've never been there in Holy Week. And so uh, I can't speak personally about the events, but um, I just have to say in general, uh, it, it is managed well. When you go over there, uh, there's you don't run into conflict uh, generally. Uh, everything goes smoothly. However, you're on schedule, and you have to stay to the schedule. We're so grateful, Father, for you uh, taking us on this virtual tour of the Holy Land of Jerusalem in this Holy Week. And I can't help but think you've made it much more meaningful for everybody who's tuned into the show today. Thank you so much for your wisdom, your experience, uh, and for joining us today to share um, all of that knowledge with us. Thank you so much, Father. Thank you for having me. I wish you a blessed Holy Week and a very happy Easter. You. And we also wish you, all of you a very blessed Holy Week and a happy Easter. Uh, this is Katie Breedeman, and for The Voice of Charity, we thank you for tuning in and believing in the mission of Catholic Charities. Join us every Monday through Friday at this time for Catholic Chicago. You can stream our programs live or listen to past programs by visiting our website, archchicago.org, and clicking on Radio TV. And please connect with Catholic Chicago on social media.